Welcome back to Real Phonies, where we take the love for movies and television and combine it with very little knowledge about movies and television. I'm your host, Christian. Join me are my co-host, Joseph. Hello. And Jehu. Oh, it was way too far off. Yeah, very you far. Said, you away. sounded like you sounded like you. Someone's holding you hostage, and that was your <laughs> your safe word from your the plea the for help. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's actually what's happening. One of you all need to get here immediately. Okay. <laughs> oh, sorry, bro. I'm I, yeah, I know you're in Cantonment. It's kind of a drive. <laughs> uh, we're here to do something we haven't done in a while. Uh, a hidden gems episode, specifically, where we're picking hidden gems of 2001. It's a year uh, that I always think of as I know technically I feel like 2000 is the beginning of the millennium, but in my mind, I feel like 2001 is a better representation of that, though, having looked at the things that made it on this list, I'm not sure that I can stand by that anymore. Uh, I think I think you're actually incorrect about that. I think 2001 is the technical beginning of the millennium. Ah. I think the last year of the decade is the zero year, but no one counts that like populist size. 2020 was the start of the 2020s not 2021 right but. i i i think you are you are technically correct uh christian but nobody gives a shit about it yeah exactly yeah <laughs> the, yeah the thing i noticed about this year is it's and i think we had another year we did that was kind of like this where a lot of the movies that seem like they would have been sort of on hidden gem lists actually just became big hits that everyone know about that, and, that, that and, was definitely my issue in, in coming up with, with uh, the, my list also. And, and almost like there's some ones that I think were like big studio vehicles for big stars that kind of aren't remembered at all. You know, so it's kind of an ass backwards year almost. Do you guys want to hear what the, uh, the top 10 grossing movies in 2001 are? Sure. Do, yeah. do you want to take a guess on anything that might make it? Was there a Star Wars movie? No Star Wars movie. Lord of the Rings. So, Lord of the Rings is number 10. Amazing. Oh, so you cut read off a Hugh different Lecter. list than I did. I was in your gross. I don't know. Uh, yeah, because the one I read had Lord of the Rings at number two. Oh. Yeah, literally, I just pulled it up as well. It also has it at number two. Well, you know what? I don't know. Because number 10 actually made my list, but we'll get to that later. Ugh, number 10 sucks. <laughs> See, I'm good. I, have, I, I, I don't agree. I'm going to read my list, Joseph, because okay, yeah, no, I, I don't trust my list that. anymore. Yeah. The number one, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Number two, Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring. Number three, Monsters, Inc. Number four, Shrek. Five, Ocean's Eleven. Six, Pearl Harbor. Seven, The Mummy Returns. Eight, Jurassic Park Three. Nine, Planet of the Apes. Ten, Hannibal. Okay, no, my number nine was the one that's on my list, which I'm sure you'll also think is terrible. <laughs> no, I would be. I can agree with nine. I okay. hate Hannibal, though. I'm not a big fan of Hannibal either. That movie is such a disappointment. Yeah, totally. Did Hannibal come before or after Red Dragon? It came before. Yeah, that's weird. It's yeah. weird to make a good movie and then a bad movie and then a good prequel. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm uh, not. I'm not even sure. I think Red Dragon. Uh, this is off topic, but yeah, I mean, look, it's I'm not. not, it's, sure not be, it's not better than fucking Silence of the Lambs, but it's better than Hannibal. That's yeah. true. That's exactly what I was gonna say. I'm not sure that it's good, <laughs> but it's better than the one that came right before it. Yeah, I. You know, I think I think Ed Norton is good in it, and I think that uh, Ray Fine fucking goes for it in that, and I, you know, uh, really like 
God, why can't I think of his name now? Uh, died of heroin. With so many people. <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> but he didn't look like it. He Philip brand, Seymour like, Hoffman. Yes, there you go. There you go. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. I think also he was pretty good in his final scene in that movie. But uh, I don't know if I think it's a good movie either. Yeah. So back to 2001. Uh, Those were the highest grossing films. There were some other notable ones that I don't think qualify for this list because they've just made a shit ton of money, but maybe you guys had them on your list anyway. Uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Spy Kids, uh, The Princess Diaries. 2001? Apparently. Uh, The Princess Diaries and Legally Blonde. Also, one of the most uh, uh, infamous Oscar winners of all time, Traffic. I'm really surprised Legally Blonde is a top 10. That shit was huge. It's still very popular, too. Yeah, it, ma- it made a lot of money. Well, so, and that's the other thing that I noticed that we'll get into as we as we dig into them. This 2001 was a big year for cable television uh, mm, because mm. a lot of the things on here made a reasonable amount of money. There weren't really many that I'd call like really, you know, uh, deep cuts here. Uh but like they did okay in the box office and then they were played almost every day for 10 years after that on television. Right. Yeah. So how are we doing this? Are we just, are we going to go down a list? Are we just going to pick a fine. couple? Whatever you guys got. I got, I got a, a, an extensive thing and whatever you guys don't cover, I might cover. Well, I'm going to start with one of my favorite, I don't know what the correct term, science fiction comedies, Evolution. Yeah, <laughs> and, and that's the other thing that I wanted to mention about this list is a lot of the things that are gems in here. I don't know if they're gems. And Evolution was one of the ones that was on my list. Right. I, I have no idea if this movie is good. In fact, I, I actually do have an idea. It's not good. I'm pretty sure I, it's not good. I like it. OK, it, and there's a lot to like about it. And it's got this weird cast of people that you enjoy seeing on screen, but I don't and know a, that they've ever... A very, very of the times cast also. Yes. Uh, David Duchovny is the lead. <laughs> Julianne Moore. Uh, Orlando uh, Jones. Uh, Ethan Suplee's in it somewhere. <laughs> yeah. it's. I don't know if any of them actually deserve for you to like them being on screen, but you do. You just like those people. And I think it's a fun plot directed by Ivan Reitman, right? Uh is he he apparently thought it was going to be like his next ghostbusters and uh it's not that it's not but, but it, you know what I, I see where he's getting at you know it's got, right, it's got yeah. similar vibes dan Aykroyd is in it and i think he also produced it with him because they felt it was very much in the same vein as as ghostbusters I, I can't remember it exactly but i know this movie has one of my favorite fan servicey jokes in it which is essentially when the you know the creepy mysterious government agent shows up david duchovny is like oh man i know these guys and for some reason <laughs> yeah. that shit killed me at the time yeah that's a good play i also <laughs> think the overall creature design in this movie is pretty Very good, good. yeah mean, yeah especially considering yeah. the whole thing is is they like the creatures change you know like every five minutes of the movie yeah to something new and so they had a lot of cool like you know different ideas for like it's kind of close to how we evolved but in an alien way and they do they look pretty good yeah so that's that's my first one one of the, one of the ones that i'm only gonna say barely qualifies on this list because it made a, a reasonable amount of money but i just don't think is remembered as well as it should be is i think the the forgotten disney movie atlantis oh yeah great great film it, you know atlantis I, is a really good call I, that was on my list as well oh good it's it's one of those movies where i like i get it i think you know comparatively to even ones that were i think closer 
in time to its release, like a Hercules or something, or even a Tarzan. I don't think it's quite as like iconic as those, and it may, it may not deserve to be. But I also think it's pretty darn good. It's it's uh, uh it's got a lot of goofy jokes in it, but it's also got a more uh, I don't know a darker tone overall than I feel like a lot of these these movies take. Yeah, no, it's it. It's adult is a weird word because I don't think it's necessarily adult. I just I also don't think that seven year olds really get it. Yeah, well, you know, that's, like that's, right. There's two dedicated characters for like kid jokes in this movie, but I the rest of the movie doesn't feel that kid directed to me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but it looks great. I think it's a pretty good movie. It holds up. I, I hope more people have seen it now that they have Disney Plus available to them and just want to watch new things. Michael J. Fox is Milo, right? Yeah. Yeah. Anything with Michael J. Fox, you should fucking watch it. It's mandatory. The guy's a national treasure. <laughs> you have to watch that movie. Hurt, you got one? Or Yeah. I, you know, it was, and like I said, it was far, hard to kind of find ones that I think really felt like counted as hidden gems because this is like you know a year where you know memento and darny darko and royal tenenbaums and you know well, ghost world were big man, hits, it's, fun- so. it's funny you bring that up because i the other thing i was going to say about this this year is it's it's the year like made for cable television and it's also the year made for that guy you don't want to talk to at a party and that <laughs> person is also me uh which which you right. mentioned at least two of those or three of those in those that list but there's more that i have that i want to mention but go ahead i, I think I think there's an argument for this, even though it is definitely technically in the new millennium, this being the last year of the 90s, because just a lot of those movies are like 90s movies that came out in in uh, in, you know, the 2000s. So but one that I, I thought I think made the list. Do you, are you guys familiar with the movie called Made? Have you ever watched Made? I have not. Nope. OK. OK. You know, uh, John Favreau and Vince Vaughn had had a big hit a few years earlier with swingers which you know was a you know movie mm-hmm. about them hanging out in sort of the 90s retro uh swing dancing scene and it was fucking great me and my friends loved it at the time we all bought sega uh hockey games to be like those dudes when we were hanging out it, it was gross and you know specifically vince vaughn was just a, a show stealer or scene stealer in that movie you know he he's you know this kind of over the top ladies man friend and stuff and then made came out which was sort of their follow-up it was the same two guys but the premise of this was they were a couple low-level uh you know like criminal types who were trying to make it in the mob who were trying to get made and they they almost play like the same characters but vince vaughn has played as such a dunce in it and at the time i just hated you know did not like it but i watched it a few years ago again and you realize that you know like vince vaughn character in swingers is pretty interesting when you're young but when you're when you're older you realize in real life that guy's fucking exhausted Mm. and uh and and this treatment of him was just hilarious when i watched it again so uh, anybody who hasn't seen it i I highly recommend it mate truly a hidden gem when two-thirds of the podcast hadn't seen it indeed true uh, I'm going to go one that I think everyone thinks is bad and I think it's bad too, but I still think it's a lot of fun to watch the one. Yeah. Jet this is a big year for Jet Li. He also had uh, kiss of the dragon, which made $36 million. The one made a respectable 43 for, you know, a Kung Fu movie. Uh, early Jason Statham career mm-hmm. film. 
Um, I think the plot is generally pretty cool, which is that if there's, you know, a set number of dimensions, then if you kill all of your counterparts, you you get all of their energy and you become a essentially a super powered individual. And it, we're down to the final two versions of Jet Li. And what could be better than Jet Li fighting Jet Li uh, <laughs> with Jason Statham occasionally also fighting Jet Li? Um, it's it's dumb. I think I, I I might be wrong. I think this is a John Woo movie. Um, I don't think it is, but it looks so much like a John Woo movie. I'm going to say whoever it is, is is John Woo under a different name. Uh, <laughs> right. But I think this movie is a lot of fun. Uh, again, it's dumb. I'm, the special effects don't really hold up, but... Oh, I it's don't know. So, I still think that the the final confrontation, like whatever that is, like a fucking in uh, like a, power plant or wherever. There's yes, sparks there's everywhere. so much electricity cool just in shit. the background. I, um, I think this movie really kind of is a good cap on like bad 90s, late 90s, like action kung fu movies. Mm. Um, it feels a lot like the movies that have come before it, but I think it's just kind of like the perfect version of it. Uh, and not like how the Matrix is the perfect version where it's actually good. This is the perfect version of the bad ones. Uh, I like the one. Check it out. Uh, is this the only movie that Jet Li and Jason Statham did together? No. Uh, they Expendables. made a movie called, well, yeah, they, the Expendables. They also made a movie called War where it's the two of them. That's right. Yep. Fighting each other. Okay. That's probably the one because one of these I, I saw like an advertisement on it. You know how like, Roku will have those advertisements off to the side of where your channels are. And the description on it was literally Jeff Lee and Jason Statham are mad at each other. And I just thought that shit was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. Just because I feel like it, it ties into your point, Christian. One of the ones that I don't think was financially successful and maybe slightly forgotten to this point, besides from the people on this podcast, is what I consider to be uh, Guy Ritchie's best film. Which is Snatch mm. uh, came out this year. It's uh, the kind of loose sequel. I think it is a sequel. I think there are like crossover characters with Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, which is uh, you know kind of his breakout. But I feel like Snatch is better. It's got Brad Pitt in it, and he's ridiculous and fantastic <laughs> uh, as like this this I don't know gypsy boxer, bare knuckle boxer. It's a uh, you know it's it's the usual bunch of gangsters bunch of unfortunate coincidences and encounters and people fighting and shooting each other for seemingly no reason uh it's very petty and very ridiculous and i think it's it's probably my favorite guy Ritchie film yeah this movie is say, great i want to say it'd make my top 20 i love this movie yeah also it's a good reminder that there's never been a point in time where brad pitt hasn't been fucking cool like he's yeah, that's true. cool <laughs> Uh, is this I mean, I, I my only my only asterisk, would this be is it a hidden gem or is it a cult film? Because I feel like it's got a pretty big following, maybe not as much as Locks talking to smoking bear. I, I made a I made a long list of ones that I thought should be that that like in a different year would have been uh, hidden gems but aren't. And this one's totally on it. Like, yeah, I feel like I don't know. I don't know anyone who doesn't know about this movie. Well, fair enough. Well, then I'll do my other one since you guys are, are disqualified. I'm not trying to be negative. I just no, feel like not, this is a cult either. film. I, I, my, my other one I had that was before this on my list is the, the movie Bandits. Uh, See, I don't know what that movie is. Do you guys so. not know this movie? I, give me the description because okay, it sounds it's, familiar. It's Bruce Willis, uh, Billy Bob Thornton, and Kate Blanchett. Yes, They're, I know this movie. 
they're they're like it's it's a a crime heist romantic comedy uh where i can't remember the like the initial thing but uh i think billy bob thornton and and uh bruce willis are bank robbers uh and at some point during bank robbery they take a hostage that they mean to let go but they're they didn't mean to take a hostage but they get stuck with her and it's kate blanchett uh and billy bob thornton and bruce willis are your classic buddy comedy duo ones like you know I'm I'm the cool guy who just like gets the job done, and the other guys like I think about all the things, and I'm I'm the planner in the brains of the outfit kind of thing. Uh, and the the premise of the movie is Cape uh, Blanchett gets stuck with Bruce Willis for a long time while they're lying low, and then they swap, and then stuck with Billy Bob Thornton for a long time while they're lying low, and then she falls in love with both of them at different times, and then you know it just becomes a ridiculous uh, love triangle with bank robbery situation. It's pretty funny. I, uh, I recommend it if you haven't seen it. I uh, The main thing, and I haven't seen this in a long time, so I may be recollecting this wrong, but the main thing I remember about this movie is it being the beginning of Billy Bob Thornton's rugs and sort of the end of Bruce Willis's rugs. Like, you know, this was the point where Billy Bob Thornton's like, I'm just going to wear a toupee forever. And Bruce Willis like, nah, fuck it. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I mean, I do think that's accurate, at least in this movie. So uh, I'm not sure that I knew that Billy Bob Thornton was bald. I mean, go back oh, and yeah. watch Sling Blade. He was he was like yeah. extra bald in that shit. Yeah. Um, you know, um, I feel like both of yours kind of lead into this one to me. And this is one that I'm talking about that I think this was designed to be just a huge hit and maybe even made a lot of money at the time. But I don't think anyone really remembers it. Uh, it uh, the Mexican. Oh, yeah, yeah, know, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, uh, this I was mean, absolutely it, it, supposed to be a huge hit. <laughs> like, it's full of Brad Pitt, Julia Roberts, James Gandolfini, like full of big stars. It was very much of its time in that it was kind of an action-y sort of Tarantino light-y comedy mixed in thing. And, uh, you know, I haven't seen it in a while, but I remember it being fun. I remember enjoying it. And I, I don't know, I don't ever hear it come up with anyone anymore. Yeah, I don't it's remember, about like a I don't pistol, remember right? it being very good yes. is why I didn't put it on my list. I, I think that's, I think you asking what it's about a pistol is exactly why this movie isn't remembered. Cause I think a lot of people saw Brad Pitt, Julia Roberts and the title Mexican and like, well, who's the fucking Mexican and didn't watch it. But the Mexican was the gun. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I ever saw this movie. Uh, I think even at like 13 years old, I was like, that looks stupid. Uh, I mean, it's, I'm not saying it's great, but it's a solid okay. And I just think it's weird that a movie with that many big stars in it yeah. is sort of forgotten. Yeah, it didn't hit. And right. you're right, just kind of lost. That's perfect. Uh, that's perfect stream material that I don't know has ever been on a streaming service. I'm sure it's on <laughs> right. Tubi. Everything's on Tubi. Probably right. is on Tubi. I'm going to mix it up a little bit with my next one uh, and go with a rom-com. And I have a forgotten rom-com because at least it's the first one that I remember that had gay characters in it. And that's kissing Jessica Stein. Uh, have you guys ever seen this movie? I've definitely seen this movie. This is a pretty fun film. Uh, yeah. It's about a, a woman who kind of like down on her luck and, and her love life stalling. And I, I think it was like, it was really before the internet online dating thing. So I think it's like, an, if I remember correctly, like an ad in the paper, kind of like uh, escape uh, and turns, she thinks it's a dude. Turns out it's a woman. 
And then she just starts dating that lady. And uh, I don't think she ends up being a lesbian at the end of the film. Spoilers. But uh, I really liked it. I think it's um, both leads are really good. I I watched it several times. Uh, I haven't seen it in forever because I don't know where to find it. But if I could, I would watch it again. Um, I I don't know. I think it's just a really fun, uh, lighthearted rom-com. Kissing Jessica Stein. Check it out. Fair enough. If you can since, find it. Since since we're on rom-coms, I didn't mention it because I don't think it, it qualifies in any way. But Miss Congeniality came out this year. $65 million. I, I don't <laughs> feel like has has represented the impact that's left on uh, on our culture. No, that, that number does not match the footprint of that film. Yeah. Uh, we go like one more each or something so we don't do this forever. No, let's yeah, do it forever. <laughs> uh <laughs> The the one I wanted to mention is I hope it's it counts. Now I'm worried that my things are, are too well known, but this is one that I know used to be on Comedy Central all the time, but I've never really talked to anyone about. Uh Saving Silverman, a oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. a dumb stoner <laughs> yeah. comedy. It's got Jason Biggs, uh Steve Zahn, Jack Black, the uh the sergeant from uh Full Metal Jacket. The uh, the premise of the movie is Jason Biggs is getting married. Uh, and his two friends, Steve Zahn and, and Jack Black, don't like the girl he's marrying. I think she's like overly controlling or something. And so they they hatch elaborate, terrible conspiracies uh, and and schemes to try and, and hook Jason Biggs back with his high school sweetheart, I guess. I just oh, yeah. want to say, did Good. you refer to Arlie Ermey as the sergeant from Full Metal Jacket? I did. You totally beat me he to did. saying that. I was waiting for him to take a break so I could be shitty about that. You asshole. He deserves you way asshole. more credit. <laughs> <laughs> what else should I call him? If I actually Army, his fucking name. No, it's fine. <laughs> People don't know what I'm talking about when I say that. They know what I mean when I say he's the guy from Full Metal Jacket. Anyway, this movie is, is I mean, it's, it's Jack Black and Steve Zahn, I feel like, in their prime. And Jason Biggs, and I don't know if he has a prime, but whatever. whatever uh, this is definitely his prime. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Uh, it's it's very funny. It's very dumb. I am slightly worried that if I rewatched it, parts of it would be canceled because I'm pretty sure at some point Jack Black realizes in the middle of it he's gay. I don't know. Uh, it's a good. I, th- I movie, think you're though. right. <laughs> I, I recommend it though. I uh I I think this definitely counts as a hidden gem. I think people who were the appropriate age to watch this movie in 2001 remember it and remember it well but i don't it hasn't stayed i can tell uh, you not many people did watch it because it only made 19 million dollars that's surprising it must oh, be also, comedy, also that comedy think, central rerun yeah here's some things that might surprise you that didn't make a lot of money jeepers creepers came out this year 37 million yeah uh uh well it shouldn't surprise you memento didn't make a lot of movie uh, make a lot of money 25 million but a movie that i feel like again has a bigger cultural footprint than this joe dirt made 27 million dollars i mean how much money did it take to make joe dirt i I feel like that's profitable for that film (laughs) i mean for sure it's profitable but i've seen that movie at least three times i mean definitely if they if they get paid five bucks every time it airs on comedy central they're they're billionaires yeah yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, uh, but yeah, I, that was on my list of ones that I didn't know whether this counts as hidden gem or not, because definitely everyone knows about it, but it doesn't seem like it was that big at the time. Sure. Hurt, you uh, got another one? Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I, I had a few I, I wanted to mention, and then I'll talk about one last one. I, I said I was going to talk, uh, say Planet of the Apes, and I'm just going to say that movie's better than people remember it. Absolutely. It's a, 
it's like, and you know, it's it's trying to make a different point. I think than the than the old one was, and I think people just didn't didn't get that and weren't ready for it. And the ending to it just kills me. I, I don't know if it's meant to be a joke, but I think it's hilarious. Uh, I was going to mention a movie called Bully. If you ever want to know what it's like to grow up in the Milton Pace area, but on eleven, watch the movie Bully. Uh, but the the one I'll talk about is uh, the man who wasn't there. It's a, a Coen Brothers movie from this, and I think it's like viewed as sort of a lower tier movie of theirs. But it seems like so many people say that their favorite Coen Brothers movie is um, is No Country for Old Men, and I, they should probably check this movie out because it's the only one that equals No Country in bleakness. Like they have other crime dramas, but their other crime dramas sort of have positive characters and have some hopefulness in it. And this shit does not. But this it's one's still, also Billy Bob, right? The Billy Bob Thornton. Yes, he yeah. he plays a he plays a, a barber who gets involved in a sort of Norish crime scene, uh, scheme. But uh, it's a uh, you know it, it's it's good. I like it a lot. I like it a lot. It's also in black and white, so it's you know interesting to look at from its time uh but uh you know even a lower tier uh coen brothers movie is of course better than transformers so worth checking out yeah i like that movie it is very bleak but it's good i guess if i had one more uh i was also gonna think about saying planet of the apes because i agree with you i think it's underrated the ending is bad and that's what taints that whole movie but overall it's it's a pretty interesting version of that story uh i also would say josie and the pussycats um Though it's it's really grown in popularity over mm. since millennials got the right to vote, I, it's just really like <laughs> become much more popular. Right. Uh, so if I have to pick one that I don't think people really remember, that I think is pretty good, Joyride, Paul Walker film, um, Steve Zahn, and I'm drawing a blank on the chick, but it's about three, I guess they're twenty somethings who get in a transistor radio fight with a trucker and um, it's kind of a dumb plot of a slasher film that was very popular for that era but I think it's a pretty good version of it um, it's it's a lot of fun it's you know not great but Friday night viewing with some popcorn and the lights out you get a little you get a little creeped out by it mm. uh, there's certainly worst movies in the same vein as this one and this one's a pretty good version of it yeah, I agree. I think this is I think this is a, a fun little horror movie. It, it almost has like a Twilight Zone feel, feel to it. Yep. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I like it. I, uh, I don't feel like I have any more that I would even consider gems at this point. <laughs> I think there are way too many that are either too popular still or just bad. Uh, but that said, I'm just going to list off a couple of things that came out this year that I think are at least worth at least worth noting before we put this one to bed forever. First one is this year. uh produce the one and only final fantasy movie final fantasy the spirits within uh yeah the two things I mean, that I, well three things i remember about this movie uh two things from the time were even at the age the, the ripe old age of 10 i remember there was a bunch of like news scuttlebutt of like is this what movies are gonna be now yep, <laughs> right? yep. Uh, <laughs> which uh the the, the success or lack thereof was, uh, I think, a, a swift and decisive no to that question. Uh, I, I, I think but, one thing I have to say on this is that just that any movie that you have to invent a term to rag on, I think is, is has, has achieved something. 
Like, you know, I don't think the term Uncounting Valley existed before this movie. If it, mm. At least it wasn't nearly as popular, for sure. Right. Uh, the other thing I, I remember about this is I'm pretty sure one of the character models is based on Ben Affleck, but they didn't actually get Ben Affleck for the role, and that is voiced by uh, old Jack Donaghy. Uh, and that's just fucking hilarious to me. I guess that is, that's exactly what the news media was afraid of would happen. Uh, did kind of happen, but still didn't work out. Right. Some, some movies that, that, oh, actually one more thing about, cause Hurt mentioned that he thought this was kind of the last movie of the nineties. Here's something that proves it's the last movie of the nineties. Uh, did you guys know there was an Othello, uh, uh, reimagining in this, in this year? Wasn't it with, uh, Lawrence Fishburne? Uh, I don't think Lawrence Fishburne did it, but now I have to check. He's not the, the lead in it. It's, it's, Maybe it's, that's not it's, the one I'm thinking it's of. Like, it's like all 90s. It's a, a Shakespeare reimagining in a modern context. The, the two leads, the most time capsule-esque casting and concept for a thing, it's a uh, modern reimagining of Othello in a high school starring Josh Hartnett and Julia Stiles. <laughs> now, I remember the one you're talking about now. I'm thinking of a different Othello. And directed and by Tim called- Blake Nelson. It's just called O. Just called O. Yeah. 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 Uh, but, but things in this year that made less than $15 million, Osmosis Jones, which I thought was kind of surprising, uh, just because I remember watching that show as a kid. And I watched right. the movie in theaters. Uh, Bubble Boy, which was Jake Gyllenhaal's dramatic departure after doing uh, Donnie Darko and October Sky. Yeah. I, but... Uh, this one was on my list. This is the first time I actually remember Jake Gyllenhaal. And I is thought really? this movie was hilarious. Yeah. I'd watched those other ones, but I didn't put them together as the same guy for some reason. I, I mean, look, that's fair. It's it's a pretty different role. <laughs> yeah. uh, also this year, making $3 million in theaters, but presumptively a lot more money from Comedy Central, Pootie Tang. <laughs> Pootie mm. Tang was on my list too. <laughs> I have a lot of dumb movies on my list. Yeah. And uh, uh, capping out the the list of 2001 movies of people that you don't want to talk to at parties, uh, Mulholland Drive made $7 million. Yeah, see, I mean, this one was one that I was like, I mean, this is probably the most successful David Lynch movie. So I'm almost like, is it a hidden gem? But really, every David Lynch movie, like most people haven't seen. So, But that's it. What Do you have any other ones you wanted to, to clear out before we get done hurting? No, I think I, I think I got the ones I really wanted to. If I didn't bring it up, someone else did. All right. Uh, well, that was 2001. I'm not sure it had that many hidden gems. But, uh, you know, honestly, I, uh, I've i never seen Joyride, so I might now go try and track that one down. Hey, Joyride's fun. Check it out. Yeah. The one I would add that people would tell you it's a hidden gem, and it's absolutely not. It's a big piece of shit, is The Majestic. I don't know. Yeah, I, about that. I agree totally. Fuck that movie. That movie's so fucking bad. That movie, yeah. there has never been a movie farther up its own ass. Yes. Yes. Well, that's it for our Hidden Gems of 2001. We will, uh, I'm sure, be coming back to this until we run out of years that we've seen movies. Uh, See, I think one year we should pick a year none of us has seen any movies in, or at least none of us was alive to, like 1953. What oh, are they? Oh, God, that's terrible. Oh, I like this I- premise. Because also, it would probably be pretty easy because, you know, back then where there weren't multiplexes, there'd be like 20 movies that come out. <laughs> yeah. And they were all destroyed in a fire 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's it for Hidden Gems of 2001. Uh, what have we been watching this past week, guys? See, I did not watch much. The only new thing that I watched was uh, Mythic Quest on Apple TV. 
this show's pretty it's it's pretty funny it's it feels uh, very targeted comedy. specifically at you yes it's <laughs> it's just a, by the a, cast alone yep 100 percent. it's a workplace comedy about a video game company which makes the world's largest mmorpg which is a fantasy mmorpg at that uh and to joseph's point about the cast being it even has a member of critical role well a guest on critical role uh, as one of the main cast members on this show. So it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's kind of dumb. I'm not going to say it has like any of the emotional weight of something. Not, not that the, like Parks and Rec or The Office have a lot of emotional weight, but n- there's no um, underlying emotional story for you to get attached to. It's just purely about jokes. Um, there's a whole episode where they LARP. Um, it's a lot of it's a lot of fun. Uh, I laughed quite a bit. I enjoyed it. I think it's better than Transformers. Is this the one that the Sunny guys are in? Yep, yep. They okay. uh, they wrote it, and the kind of everyone pops up at some point. Um, right, right. So it's uh, yeah, it's it's worth your time. I made Kate watch Ted Lasso. I just watched that show like two weeks ago and did not feel old. I'm glad I watched it a second time. Um, that's about it. Bad Batch is still good. I'm excited to see where that show's going. Uh, you know, you you just brought up something, and this is purely a personal thing, but it, it, it has rocked my world. I found out that Mac from Sunny is 5'8". Hmm. So oh, that really? means Charlie is tiny. Very, yeah, very small. <laughs> I had always thought I was Charlie's size, and like Mac and Dennis were tall. But apparently, those are just mostly small people. So also, we already knew this, but this means Danny DeVito is really fucking small. <laughs> um, you know, I watched uh, I watched fucking uh, Invincible again. Oh, did I you? I watched that whole show again. So I think that's a pretty uh, uh, that's a that's a pretty good stamp of I liked that show. Like I can, you know, it it, it really holds up. It's a good show. Uh, also, I should say I I reread a comic. Uh, for a show that just came out, but then decided I'm probably going to watch the show, which is Jupiter's Legacy. Dude, I watched um, 12 minutes of it and I was bored out of my fucking mind. <laughs> the, the comic is a thing that like, you know, it comes from a Mark Millar or Mark Miller mm-hmm. is how you're supposed to pronounce it, I think, who, you know, is a guy that have, have either of y'all read the uh, world according to Gart? No. I swear to God, someday I'm going to find the Venn diagram of someone who knows about Mark Millar and someone who's read their world according to Garp, and I'm going to blow their mind with this analogy of where he went wrong for me. But I won't even get into it since you guys haven't seen it. Uh, (laughs) But, uh, you know, he's a guy who, like, I I don't really necessarily like all the work he does, but I like him for how he handles himself professionally and how he treats creators he works with and how he tries to do right by the comic book industry in general so he gives a pass when his stuff's kind of shitty uh jupiter's legacy is okay it's really it's really lifted up by the artist frank quietly who's a fucking genius but if you want to check out some frank quietly i'd say check out all-star superman or uh flex mentalo first although you know you know, I, he probably gets more money out of this, so I don't know. But uh, those comics are okay, but I, I don't think I'll be checking out that show based on my reread of that comic. I definitely liked it more the first time I read, read it. Better than Transformers, but not better enough that I'm going to watch a, a show about it that looks kind of goofy. It looks like Sky High. <laughs> it does look like Sky High. I can't get on board with Fergie's ex-husband and like that gray wig and beard <laughs> shit. <laughs> it looks so fucking bad. 
It looked bad. And I thought it, I was like, surely this isn't going to be like all the time. But at least for the first 20 fucking minutes, it's all the time. Like, isn't that guy fucking salt and pepper? Couldn't he have just grown a fucking beard? Yeah, I don't know. It's it's not good. Um, but yeah, that's all I got. The only other thing I wanted to mention, because I don't think we're going to talk about it on the news. And I just thought about this. I don't know if you guys watched the Forever Purge trailer that came out today. But fucking Josh Lucas is in that movie. And that guy needs more work than Home Depot commercials. And so I'm glad he's in something. <laughs> yeah, but it, a Purge movie is not, not the best place to start. I, Maybe it's got you got to start somewhere, okay? And it really just stuck with me that Josh Lucas, Josh Lucas is getting work again. Uh, Sweet Home Alabama, Ferrari was you know what? He is in that fucking movie. You're right, you're right. Home Depot commercials in that purge movies make money, so good for him. They don't keep making them because they're not making money. That's true. I that guy feel- made stealth and his whole career just went straight down the <laughs> I toilet. I think that happened to literally everyone who made stealth, though. <laughs> Fucking yeah, Jamie yeah. Foxx is Except in that for movie. Jamie Foxx. Fuck yeah, you. I feel like I've been like uh, hardcore Mandela affected about Sweet Home Alabama because in my mind, like I'm sure that it was Matthew McConaughey. Like I'm positive. I've seen the movie since then. I know it's not, but like in my brain, like I see the scenes with Matthew McConaughey. So <laughs> I feel like I might have merged into this universe sometime, uh, you know, like five or six years ago. But it's fine. I fucking love that movie. Uh, so I I root for that guy all the time. Like I could tip a cow by myself. It's like, got to be a top three favorite lion from any fucking movie <laughs> ever. Uh, but to round out our being bad at podcasting. Uh, this week, I finally watched Tenet, so we all watched it at different times and talked about it at different times. Right. Uh, we should have held out one more week. One more <laughs> week. It's fine. It's not worth talking that much about. Hurt, hurt, or you, one of you said it already, which is that there's a pretty good Bond movie in there. It should have just made the Bond movie. All the time travel stuff is just nonsense. <laughs> I, the, I, one, one thing I really do dislike about this movie is it validates Ian's lifestyle. Yeah, I mean, look, it's made specifically for Ian to hate it. So, you know, it's not even just made for him to hate it. It makes Ian right. I think that's what makes me hate this movie more. Yeah, that every argument Ian's ever made is now valid because Tenet exists. Yeah, he should just bring up, bring a DVD with him everywhere and throw it down on the table. Here's my argument. The, yeah. re- the real waste in this movie to me is that, like, I feel like Chris Nolan is, is traditionally known for making like cool movies. Uh, but I don't feel like usually I know I usually, I mean, I can't think of one uh, that he has any like real emotional, like connection in his movies, like actually connecting to human beings on an emotional level is not something that he does very well in his writing or his directing of movies. I don't think, uh, but I feel like Elizabeth Debicki's performance of this is phenomenal. Like, I think she's really, really good. Uh, and it was it was the most emotionally connected I've ever felt to a Chris Nolan character, uh, and it's wasted in this dumb fucking movie. <laughs> so I was I was kind of irritated about that, but it's fine. Like it's it's better than Transformers, but it's also 100% bullshit and full of its own bullshit. So whatever. I'm watching a bunch of anime going on right now. I'm not going to bore you with all of them, but I will mention one that I think is if, if I had to pick one to tell people to watch, even though it would be impossible to tell people to watch uh, it's a one called odd taxi, uh, which is a, another 
show that's trying to turn me into a furry. Uh, <laughs> it's it's about a uh, maybe an alternate Tokyo, maybe not. I don't know. Uh, that's full of you know animals who do normal people stuff. Uh, but it, it's cutesy aesthetic. It's more about like uh, it's trying to pull off like this living city vibe where it's just you meet a bunch of different characters in a large ensemble cast who have their own shit going on and, and uh, you know, are involved in more things than you expect, mostly crime, uh, and have like weird and unexpected interactions with each other uh, that you wouldn't expect. And it's all based around a singular taxi driver who, you know, encounters all these different people at different points in, in their life. Uh, it's really good. It's way better than I feel like it should be and way better than I feel like it looks if you didn't like listen to it. Uh, but if there is one new anime that I would suggest from the spring that I've watched so far, it's Odd Taxi. And the last thing I want to talk about, which was the best thing I listened to this week, which is a thing I don't talk about that often, but uh, I listened to when Critical Role was off the air for forever for COVID. I went and listened to uh, The Adventure Zone, which is another D&D podcast made by uh, three brothers who have another podcast called My Brother, My Brother and Me, which is just a straight comedy podcast, no D&D. Uh, so I've, uh, since listening to The Adventure Zone, I'm hooked on My Brother, My Brother and Me. I listen to it all the time. It's the only thing I listen to when I do any chores. So like, I'm deep in their universe. Uh, and as part of their like uh, uh, charity fundraising drive, they released a bonus episode of The Adventure Zone, uh, which is their D&D podcast, which is a one-shot that's written by one of the brothers six-year-old daughter <laughs> uh and so it, it's it's a uh you know it's a one-shot campaign that his two other brothers and his father uh go on together that he dungeon masters but on the the pretty like strict written instructions of what his six-year-old laid out for the adventure and it's fucking hilarious and bonkers and god i recommend it uh, I, it's for subscribers to their their network it's cost five bucks it's fucking worth five dollars it's so good i highly recommend it cool beans i i i'm hoping that what this podcast is going to turn out to be like the secret of this podcast is somewhere 50 or 100 episodes from now joseph can just come out and say you know what guys i'm a furry that's my thing <laughs> that's my bad that's what i'm into that's and i've done this that's the prestige podcast. baby as an extended coming out and then we can all just say okay good game hit the showers we're done i feel like i i feel like we can get like a, a this american life out of that episode right. so you did 200 episodes of a podcast yeah exactly just to say you like dressing like animals uh, you're, making, you're making a compelling case for this we've, we've laid the groundwork already i need yeah, a better see, glass work I, I don't want you to do it as a gimmick. I want you to wait till you really are. Until I really mean I, it. Yeah. I don't think you're ready to admit it yet. It's in your heart. You just, oh, yeah. you just haven't let it out. <laughs> Very good. Oh, this is the best content we've ever produced. That's probably true. Uh, but I think that's it for this week. So we could leave out on a high note. Uh, I, you know, I don't, is there anything coming out in the next week or so? I feel like there should be, but I don't. I feel know like what there is, is too, but I can't remember what it is. Well, you yeah, know, we'll, it seems like it's time for another one of those HBO things. But I don't that's know what, what I'm saying. It it does. Like in my bones, I feel like it's coming. Like an old sailor. Uh, 
but yeah, you know, we'll, we'll be back next week, maybe with something new, maybe with some other, uh, one day, look, I, I came up with the hidden gems idea exclusively so that we could come back to 2003 one day and one day we will, but I might want to hold off on it for a while, but yeah, that's it for this week. We'll be back next week. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Please rate, subscribe, tell your friends about the podcast. If you want to get in touch with us, give us ideas, what you want to hear us talk about, episode ideas, you can reach us at realphonies.gmail.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter at realphonies and on Instagram at real underscore phonies. Thanks to Zach Evans for art and Brian Velasquez for our theme. We'll see you guys later. Later.